I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also find me live five days a week, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670 KMZQ in Las Vegas. I've been incorporating more of my actual live or segments from my show into my podcast by popular demand. And most recently, I had Kelly Victory on. Dr. Kelly Victory is an amazing woman. She's a doctor. She teaches disaster preparedness and a lot of other things. And we're doing a thing we call Medical Mondays on the Heidi Harris Show now. And it's great to get some common sense from somebody who understands epidemiology. She understands the medical aspects of what's going on with coronavirus. But she's also not going to be in her house clutching her pearls, telling everybody just to stay and live in fear and go bankrupt until this thing passes by. Here's my chat this week with Dr. Kelly Victory on a little feature we're now calling Medical Mondays. Dr. Victory, welcome back to the Heidi Harris Show. Glad to have you every week. Thank you for agreeing to do that as part of our Medical Mondays. Hey, thanks, Heidi. I'm really looking forward to it as well. We're going to have a lot of fun. I've got some questions here from our texters to the show, but let's start with this. Uh, now we're hearing that there's some kind of a new variant of the novel coronavirus, a novel coronavirus that's going to uh, kill us all, I guess, has been found in 15 states. What's that about? Well, let's start with the fact, Heidi, that all viruses mutate. It's the nature of viruses. They all do it. Coronaviruses happen to be particularly good at it. They do it relatively quickly. The good news is that when viruses mutate, it is extraordinarily rare, very, very rare, for them to actually become stronger, more virulent, more lethal. In almost every case, 99.99 plus percent of cases, when viruses mutate, they become weaker. They become less virulent. Now, what we are hearing and what they keep, the fear merchants keep pawning, is that these new strains are more contagious. And that may be. They may be able to be spread more easily because they are stickier or somehow I managed to invade the mucous membranes more easily. But more contagious doesn't mean more severe. It may be a weaker, it is in all likelihood, as I said, far weaker than the previous strains, and that's a good thing. Eventually, it, it may end up turning out that the original COVID-19 over multiple mutations will end up something like a common cold. That would be great. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory, our new feature, Medical Mondays. Yeah, it's interesting to, to, to hear this because when you when you talk about this mutant strain, a lot of people will say, well, look what happened in, in 1918, the Spanish flu. The second wave was worse than the first. We hear that one, too. You do. You, you hear these things all the time, and that we keep predicting, or they keep predicting, you know, the second wave, the third wave. We keep doubling down on going back from red to orange to, you know, purple, whatever these silly color code schemes are. The reality is and remains, Heidi, that the vast majority of people are not at significant risk from COVID-19. Most people, even if they contract the virus, have a pretty easy go of it, have relatively mild symptoms, might feel lousy for a few days, but most people by far get over this very, very quickly. And the good news is we know who those people are who are in the truly high-risk category for not having an easy go of it. Right. Those people in those elderly uh, decades of their lives and people with a very well-defined set of, of comorbidities, obesity, diabetes, heart disease. We know who those folks are. Yeah, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory. It's Medical Mondays. What about 
about people like me, doctor? I had the, the Rona in June and knocked me on my butt, but I was never in medical stress. I mean, I never thought I was going to die from it. Okay, I felt crappy, but I wasn't going to die. What about people like me uh, racing down to get the vaccine? Is that even necessary? Should I have some kind of immunity for a period of time, or do we even know that yet? Well, we know, Heidi, that you have immunity for some period of time for certain, and it is absolutely, in my estimation, not a necessity for anyone who knows that they had COVID to be getting a vaccine anytime soon. We know that antibodies from having gotten and recovered from the virus last at least, we're seeing patients who have and still have antibodies after between you know, six to nine months after having recovered. And then after the antibodies start to wane, you are left with what we call humoral immunity, which is that lasting immunity that your immune system remembers that virus. So if you ever see it again, you will very quickly be able to reproduce antibodies. So in my estimation, there is no reason for someone who has had and recovered from COVID-19 to be getting a vaccine anytime soon. Furthermore, and, and concerningly, None of the vaccines were tested on people who have existing antibodies. So we really don't have any great idea what's going to happen when a bunch of people who have existing antibodies go and get this vaccine. And although I am very pro-vaccine in general, I have some concerns about this particular vaccine. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that because a lot of people are concerned. They hear about these side effects. We're speaking, by the way, with Dr. Kelly Victory. There are side effects. People are having weird side effects if they have fillers in their face, if they have, they're going into anaphylactic shock, if they have certain allergies. I realize these are anecdotal stories. We don't know how many people. But still, when you hear these stories, it's a little frightening. I, I think it is frightening. And here's what I would say. Again, I am very pro-vaccine. In fact, I've spoken and written prolifically about it. Some people have gone so far as to call me a vaccine zealot. So I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer. But the typical vaccine, Heidi, takes four to six years to come to market, if it ever makes it to market, okay? There's a reason why, because there's an awful lot of testing that needs to take place, and we want to make sure that there are no long-term side effects. This particular vaccine was brought to market in four to six months. And the way they did that was by skipping a lot of what I would consider necessary steps. They didn't do any animal testing, for example. It was never tested on pregnant women or women who are breastfeeding. It was never tested on people under the age of 16. It was never tested on people with existing antibodies, those people who already had and recovered from COVID-19. And importantly, it was never tested significantly on people with certain allergies, specifically an allergy to polyethylene glycol, PEG, which is included in a lot of different products, including facial products, facial fillers, some of these other things. And many, many people are allergic to PEG, myself included, incidentally. I have a bad allergy when I'm exposed to it. So I think there are some significant concerns about that, and there have been more than a handful, they are not just anecdotal, uh, cases of really significant adverse effects. So it's not that I am anti-vaccine, but as I said, there are many vaccines that never make it to market for viruses that have been around a heck of a lot longer than COVID. Think Mm -hmm. about things like Ebola, you know, HIV, herpes, norovirus, Coxsackie virus, lots of viruses that have been around for decades and decades, and scientists have never been able to craft 
a safe and effective vaccine. Right. That's interesting. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory. You know, it's interesting to me, too, is that we're, we're seeing these studies that they, they're saying, well, if you get the vaccine, that's gonna, not going to prevent you from getting it, but it will prevent you from getting a more severe case. Well, if, if the goal is to prevent everyone from getting this before we can get back to normal, that vaccine's not solving that problem then, right? No, it's not. And the issue is this. It's really a risk-benefit issue. For anybody, you know, people under the age of 20, these are the CDC's numbers, not Dr. Kelly Victory's. The CDC says if you're under 20, your risk of of succumbing to dying from COVID is 0.003%. Essentially, it's zero, okay? So if you're <laughs> under 20. Between 20, your risk of dying from it is 0.02%. Darn near zero and significantly lower than the risk from the vaccine, in my estimation. So between 20 and 50, you still are at incredibly low risk unless you've got one of those really bad comorbidities. Between 50 and 70, you're still less than the risk of dying from influenza. I mean, influenza more causes a, a bigger risk to you than COVID-19. So it's not until you're over the age of 70 that I think you start looking and saying, okay, well, the risk benefit of this vaccine might be worth it right now. You know, I find it interesting that they keep telling us, well, even if you get the vaccine, you can still get coronavirus and you still have to wear a mask. And there's significant side effects to the vaccine. It would be like me trying to sell a birth control product or say, hey, Heidi, there's some significant risks of this and you can still get pregnant and you still got to wear a condom. Who the heck would sign up for that? Well, that's what I don't understand. We're speaking with Dr. Kelly Victory. I got a question from a texter. The texture says, this is the Heidi Hair Show, what can I tell my friends about the unlikelihood or likelihood of contagion now that it's been more than 21 days since my quarantine ended? For me, doctor, when I had it, I coughed and coughed and coughed for weeks afterward. I didn't come back to work for like three months. Luckily, I had the ability to do that. But it was a longer cough, but that was way past the quarantine time, right? So maybe this person's in the same situation. Yeah, people misunderstand this. Those lingering um, symptoms, Heidi, are, they were caused initially by the virus, but the virus is long gone. You okay. are not contagious. You are not spreading virus anymore. The virus gets wiped out in all likelihood between five to seven days. We use 10 to 14 days for quarantine out of an, quote, an abundance of caution. After 14 days, you do not have viable uh, virus still living in your nose and throat, meaning virus that can be transmitted to someone else, cause disease in another person, replicate or anything else. Those ongoing symptoms, whether it's cough, shortness of breath, fatigue, even fevers, are from the inflammatory response that the virus caused. But the virus is long gone. So if you are 21 days uh, you know, after your quarantine or 21 days after you were diagnosed, you are not still spreading COVID. Well, that's part of my chat with Dr. Kelly Victory, who will be on the show every Monday as part of our Medical Mondays. Very excited to have her. You can find her on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Victory. Fascinating woman. And she's not buying into this whole fear-mongering, keep you in your house for the next two years kind of crap, which is refreshing to say the least. You can find Dr. Kelly Victory and follow her for great information at Twitter, uh, Dr. Kelly Victory. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget, you can find me five days a week, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670 KMZQ in Las Vegas. If you forget all that, just go to HeidiHarris.com where you can find my blog posts and my podcasts and my books and whatever else. And you can also find a live link to listen to the show. 
Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.